right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back to a Thursday edition of the Fan in the Van podcast. Um, you know, they always say good things always come to an end, and that was the case last night in Toronto. Uh, Yankee bats just, other than the Gallo home run, you know, there was no run support for Nesta Cortez, obviously. Um, and Nesta Cortez, you know, he didn't have his best stuff out there last night. Let's just be honest about it. But you know what? Listen, it's be expected. I don't expect him to go out every night. And I'm sure if you're a diehard Yankee fan like me, you don't expect him to, to sweep every series. But, you know, the main thing is that they, that they won the series in Toronto. That's what they needed. Um, you know, to increase the lead in the AL East. And that's just all the Yankees got to keep doing. Now, uh, you know, the one topic that always gets discussed when it comes to Major League Baseball and sports in general is, uh, you know, umpires, referees. And you've seen a little bit of that yesterday throughout Major League Baseball. Uh, you've seen it with the Diamondbacks, with Madison Bumgarner. Dan Bellino goes to to check his hand or whatever. They do that whole spider tacting, any type of, you know, illegal substance to get better grip and rotation on the ball. Checks his hand. All of a sudden, he gets to an ar- argument with Bumgarner. Bumgarner gets ejected. Nowhere in Major League Baseball should an umpire be allowed to abuse their power and just start an argument with a player. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care what you think or say. You know, that's just the bottom line. It just doesn't. It's it just, it's just not right. Um, you've seen in the Met Brave game yesterday. Not like it mattered because the Braves freaking went all run crazy on the Mets. And listen, if you're a Mets fan, you're dejected by that loss. Listen, it's gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. You know, for as good as the Mets have become and being dominant in the NL East right now, you know, this is just what it is. You know, you're gonna have one of those games where you're just gonna get, you're just gonna get whopped. That's it. But. The thing that's funny is three straight pitches all out of the zone, and it was Osuna uh, that was up. None of them are in the zone, but yet they're all called strikes. And Marcel Azuna's sitting there like, what the fuck are you looking at? So Major League Baseball does have a huge problem on tape because it happened again last night in the Yankee Blue Jay game. Now, maybe if certain pitches to judge are called more accurately, bottom line is this, Aaron Judge is six foot, what, Seven, eight, okay? The strike zone is different for him as opposed to a guy, let's say like me, that's 5'11". It's just a different strike zone. So a pitch that may be in the strike zone at my knees ain't even in the strike zone to Aaron Judge or to Gene Carlo Stanton or to anybody else who's over, say, 6'4", 6'5". Okay? And Aaron Boone comes out and, you know, all over Twitter, oh, you know, I love a fired up Aaron Boone. Okay, I you know listen. He's always going to go out there. He's going to argue balls and strikes. Every every manager is going to do it. Okay, and I understand you know Boone adds the flair to it. He's always got his little sound bites that get caught on the mic, and God only knows what last night's was. But you know, at the end of the day, Major League Baseball needs to address the strike zone. And Angel Hernandez is without a doubt the damn worst of them all. Okay, I don't even know who was umpiring yesterday. You, you had the Met game Wednesday, and because I have the MLB app, so the free game was the Met Brave game. So you know, I'm sitting here and I'm watching it on my phone and doing what I'm doing. And I think it was Darby Swanson of the Braves ground ball the third. It's clearly foul. Clearly foul. 
They call it fair. So, you know, you listen to Gary Gary Cohen and uh, Todd Zeal were calling the game, right? So, all of a sudden, Gary Cohen goes, well, you know, they can't replay this. Every other thing can get freaking replayed in baseball, but something that's clear and obvious because it's in front of the umpire. I don't understand. Either either you can replay everything or don't have replay at all. It, it's just as simple as that. And listen, I'm not sitting here defending the Mets at all. But and, and the Mets wound up winning game one of that doubleheader. And then they went on and won game two. But the bottom line is this. Major League Baseball has yet the same issue it'll always have. And I think the issue could improve if Rob Manfred actually addresses it. And holds umpires accountable the way they hold players accountable as far as when they criticize umpiring. This is why umpiring gets criticized in every sport. Okay, you had it in the NBA, I think it was Tuesday night or whatever night it was, I with the Warriors-Grizzly game. And there was a couple other games. I'm seeing people complain you know, how do you not call that? You call that a flagrant on, Dray- on, on Draymond Green, but you don't call it a flagrant two tonight. So it's a sport-wide issue, and some sports are trying to improve on it, while Major League Baseball, yet again, is behind the eight ball. And everybody's answer is robotic umpiring. All these umpires out there are saying, well, you know what? If you don't like the human error, then just go to robotic umpiring. Because... They found a scapegoat in that. And the answer is no. Robotic umpiring is just as shitty, if not worse, than regular umpiring. Me and Jay, not this past summer, I think the year before we went, we went to a Long Island Duck game when they experimented with it. It's just as bad. It's not as, it's almost as if the umpire is still calling balls and strikes. So there's really no point to it. There's really no point. Bottom line is this. Learn what the strike zone is and realize that when a guy like Aaron Judge is up, the strike zone is different. And when a guy like Mike Trout is up, it's a regulated strike zone. It's just plain and simple. You know, a ball in the dirt is where Aaron Judge's friggin' ankle is. Okay, realize Aaron Judge has a whole like foot and a half on some of these guys that step up to the plate. Okay, Gene Carlos Stanton, it's the same thing. And any other player, it's not just Yankee players. So if you're listening, sitting there saying, oh, here we go. He's making an excuse why the Yankees lost last night. No, the Yankees lost last night because they couldn't score runs. And Nestor Cortez didn't have his best stuff. That's why the Yankees lost. They didn't lose because of a bad call to Aaron Judge. Okay, again, every fan base has... A percentage of fans that know what they're talking about. And that's where I put myself. And then you have the other fan base that just talks out of their mouth and thinks they know everything. And they'll blame every little thing on a loss where they don't watch the whole game or they don't look at the whole spectrum of the game and realize, yeah, even though umpiring is part of the problem, umpiring is not the only reason why you lost the game. Okay, it's the same thing in football. They could miss one of the most egregious holding calls ever. But if you don't score, that's on you. That's on you. So that's a problem in itself. Okay. And how does Major League Baseball plan on addressing horrible umpiring? 
I don't know. Somebody should go ask the ass clown commissioner that almost cost us a whole entire Major League Baseball season that question. Don't ask me. My, 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 the way I would fix it, have every umpire go back to umpiring school or read how to umpire for dummies. That's what I would do. Okay? Because robotic umpiring is not it. It's just not, it's just not it to me. It's not it. Because you'll have an issue with robotic umpiring where all of a sudden, you know, something with the software goes bad or this goes bad. And then all of a sudden now it, 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 it slows down the game more. Okay? And I understand umpiring is a very hard job. And I understand they're not always going to get it right. But you can fix it to where it's not as bad as it is now. And especially blatantly bad. I understand you want to speed the game up. I understand that. And I forget who said it as far as the pitch clock goes. And they said baseball is a thinking game. Okay. And then I'm reading these comments. How's baseball a thinking game? You just go up there, pitch, and you just go up there and swing. Do you realize? Do do you realize baseball is a thinking game? That there's a strategy behind baseball? From from where your fielders are going to play as far as the infield. To what pitch is going to be thrown at what count. Do you understand there's a thinking process to the sport of baseball that always has been? Some years are just too moronic to understand that. Okay? Now, to... And, I, and listen, we could bash umpiring all day. And trust me, I have. Me and Jay have. And me and others on Twitter have. And, you know, I'm sure if I ask my buddies at 1420 Sports Podcast... What, what their reasoning is to why the Yankees lost, the first thing out of their mouth ain't going to be umpire. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, but to kind of jump out of baseball for a minute, because uh, obviously the NFL will always, be, will always be the biggest talk of all sports because there's always something that happens. So the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill had a press conference the other day. And... Ryan Tannehill was asked, you know, are you going to be a mentor to Malik Willis? And he came out and he said, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. Okay. And it's been getting, you know, well, yeah, he's right. Why should he mentor him? You know, you know, they play the same position. Why would he mentor somebody to take his job? Well, The NFL draft was the writing on the wall for Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill is either too blind to see it or he knows it but just doesn't want to just doesn't want to admit that it's going to happen at some point that they drafted Malik Willis in essence to replace Ryan Tannehill. Okay? Also in this press conference Tannehill came out and he said that he had to go to therapy after that loss to Cincinnati in the first round. You know, of, of you know of the playoffs. And that it put him in a dark place. You know, there's guys that take this sport seriously. And, you know, when you're playing, you should. And maybe all these years of losing and, you know, always letting down a, a, a team and a fan base. Maybe it took a toll on Ryan Tannehill. Maybe Tannehill didn't mean what he said. But it created a lot of spark within the NFL because you had guys like Kurt Warner come out and say, 
you know, that Tannehill's classless, in essence. And if any of these young guys coming into the league need a mentor, call Kurt Warner. You can mentor a guy who plays the same position as you, and it doesn't mean that you're, you know, you could sit there and think you're grooming him to take your job. Okay, what Ryan Tannehill needs to realize is this. I did, I guess Ryan Tannehill feels that he's not replaceable, but the NFL, like any other job in the world, regardless what it is, everybody is replaceable, no matter how great you think you are or how great you truly are. Everybody is replaceable. It's just the human element. Everybody's replaceable. Hell, at my job, I free, you know... Uh, all the shit I do, they could come in. They come in here today and tell me, "Yeah, Jim, even though you're doing a great job, and you know, and you had a hell of a sales month, and da 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 da, you know, but we brought somebody in because they could do it, let's say, cheaper. Even though the productivity isn't there, it's cheap. Now in the NFL, it's different because it's based on talent." Now, I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill ain't a talented quarterback, but let's just speak facts here. Ryan Tannehill needs to come to this realization, and he should have came to this realization night one when it started with A.J. Brown being traded. Now, again, you could sit there as a Titans fan, sit there, and you could bitch, piss, moan that they traded A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown has come out and stated he did not want to leave Tennessee. Tennessee offered him something he felt wasn't worth his value. Okay, and it's the same reason why Juju Smith-Schuster left Pittsburgh. And even though they're, they're separate entities because Juju was a free agent and A.J. Brown was still a Titan. Okay, but the bottom line is this. These guys feel that they're worth a certain amount and they're going to go where they're going to get paid their value or what they think their value is. Now, do I think Kansas City overpaid for Juju Smith-Schuster? Because I have been asked this question. I haven't addressed it yet, and I'll address it now. Yes, I do believe Juju did get overpaid by at least $3 million. And that's based on the fact that he came off an injury, and Kansas City offered him more than what Pittsburgh was willing to offer. Okay? So, again, if you're a Steeler fan that sits there and you're pissed that Juju didn't re-sign in Pittsburgh, realize that Juju made a business decision. Okay, A.J. Brown made a business decision. Debo Brown, Debo Brown, Debo Samuels is making a business decision. Okay, bottom line, because that's what this is. The NFL is a business. It's not a sport. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Major League Baseball is not a sport. It's a business. National Hockey League is a business. National Basketball Association is a business. You guys are all thinking this is a sport. It's a business. Because if it was a sport, there would be no argument about money. It would just be, okay, you're going to offer me this? Okay, I'll take that. It's a business. Because when you throw the words negotiations, contract talks, and terms of agreement, those are business terms. They're not sports terms. So come to realize that when you listen to this, realize what I just said, okay? Business terms, contract negotiations, contract agreement, we've come to terms, we've this, we've that. Whatever I said two minutes ago, process that and realize, holy shit, 
Sports ain't sports no more. It's a business, and it's been for the longest, and we've been blinded by it, okay? Like I've said for months and years, as as the world of this thing we, we have known as sports has evolved, has evolved from a sport to a business. You're watching a business. You're not watching a sport anymore, okay? Now... Not to not to take off the topic of Ryan Tannehill here, but this isn't all about Ryan Tannehill, but this sparks the interesting question. Kids coming in from the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NHL or the NBA, do the veterans have an obligation to mentor these guys? Some say yes, some say no. So now you're going to sit here and you're wondering, well... <laughs> What does Jim think from the Fan in the Van podcast? (laughs) Well, it's simple. You do. Because you've been in the the league, regardless which league it is, for X amount of time. Okay? These young guys are coming in. They're rookies. And some of them watched you play. So like a Kenny Pickett, let's say. Kenny Pickett gets gets drafted by Pittsburgh. And even though he's been in the Pittsburgh area for as as long as I can remember. All right. Guys like Cam Hayward are going to embrace him and and mentor him to, you know, to do things the way the Steelers do. You know, to kind of keep these guys out of trouble. You know, maybe if Henry Ruggs had a mentor. Maybe if Henry Ruggs had a guy looking out for him, like the supposed great Derek Carr, okay, who, you know, is this end-all, be-all in Vegas by some of you Raiders fans. Maybe if Derek Carr was hanging around with, you know, with Henry Ruggs, maybe Henry Ruggs wouldn't be in jail right now. Maybe Henry Ruggs would be at home hanging out with Derek Carr and going into, what is it, year two or three of his NFL career. Instead, no, he's not. Okay. Well, actually, I think Henry Ruggs might be at home on house arrest. But regardless, the guy has no freedom, and the guy is the, the guy is 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 fucked at this point. Okay. That's the purpose of mentoring these guys. You know, the not not that it should be your responsibility. Where all of a sudden you turn into their parents, like, hey, kid, you know, you don't do this, don't do that. But it's you know, you should be there. Like if Malik Wills came to Ryan Tannehill and said, listen, you know, um. You know, Bud Dupree and Derek, you know, Henry want to go to the strip club, but it's, you know, it's in a really bad area, but they really want me to go and I'm really trying, you know, fit in. And if I'm Ryan Town, you know, like, listen, kid, you got your whole future ahead of you. Do you want to throw it away in one night by seeing some skip, scap, scallywag, skis a hoe bag, you know, shake her ass and tits on a table, you know, get, getting dollar bills and penny rolls thrown at her and then possibly getting shot, stabbed? You could be a mentor and groom somebody at the same time. Because what Ryan Tannehill needs to realize is that his time, like the John Cena theme song, your time is up. Malik Willis's time is now. Because the minute Ryan Tannehill has a shitty game, the fans will be chanting for Malik Willis. And Mike Rabel will have no choice. He will have no choice but to put Malik Willis in. It'll be the same thing in Pittsburgh. If Mitch Trubisky somehow beats Kenny Pickett 
and Mason Rudolph for quarterback number one. And here we are week one against whoever we're playing, whether it's at Heinz Field or if it's at M&T Stadium or if we're playing the Giants week one or whatever the schedule is going to be. Okay, And Trubisky throws two interceptions in the first quarter. You don't think we're going to be sitting there watching the TV at home? Screaming, put Kenny in? You know, did anybody go and ask Mitch Trubisky how it felt to the fact that the Steelers signed him and then drafted Kenny Pickett anyway? Or maybe did Mitch Trubisky realize when he signed this contract that he just knew it's going to be a temporary stopgap for two years until Pittsburgh addressed the quarterback situation. And Pittsburgh decided to address that in this year's draft, as we all know. Same thing in Atlanta. They draft Desmond Ritter. Did anybody ask Mariota? Hey, are you going to mentor this kid? Are you going to groom him to replace you? Realize all these quarterbacks assigned two-year deals. They were all temporary stopgaps. Okay? To get their, their next quarterback ready. Realize that. So if everybody's sitting there saying Mitch Trubisky should start week one because he's got the he because he's got the experience over Kenny Pickett, that's fine. I'm not saying in Tennessee you start Malik Willis over Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill obviously is quarterback number one. But what Tannehill needs to realize is that, well, you know, they went and traded your number one wide receiver. Yeah, they addressed it. They got Traylon Burks when they traded up to do all this. Okay, I get that. Ryan Tannehill also needs to realize that they're going a different direction, they're going down a different road, and they're dropping you off before they go down that road. It's almost like they came to the fork in the road, and the Titans are going left, and they're letting you go right. That's the way this is going in Tennessee. They're going a, di- they're going a different route. They didn't want to pay A.J. Brown? Okay, fine. We'll bring somebody in built just like you, plays just like you, and bring him in on the cheap. And that's what they did with Traylon Burks. Guess what? Tennessee decided, well, Malik Willis hasn't been drafted yet. So we could find Tannehill's replacement further down the road in the draft. And they traded up in the third round to get Malik Willis. Okay? People have been asking what's going on, the whole Baker Mayfield thing. Well, everybody figured Seattle was the prime destination because when when Carolina drafted Matt Matt Corral, it was... You know, well, now Carolina's out, so Seattle's got to be got to be the team now. No, it's not because now Seattle pretty much has said they're in on Drew Locke. Drew Locke is their guy. So now you ask yourself, where does Baker Mayfield land? Cleveland wants no part of his contract. So if Cleveland's smart here, and as always, Cleveland will Cleveland. If you don't release him, you're in essence paying a guy to sit behind. Deshaun Watson, and if Deshaun Watson gets hurt, is Baker Mayfield going to even be suited up to play? You got to ask yourself that one. And I was reading last night, you know, I'm scrolling through Facebook and WFAN posted something. And I showed Jay and Jay just shook his head in disgust because <laughs> that now apparently the Giants could be the landing spot for Baker Mayfield. You know, and I said it in the draft episode, what if the Giants went and drafted one of these quarterbacks? And honestly, I think they should have. 
I think they should have went and got one of these quarterbacks. And you're going to sit there and say, well, you know, we have Daniel Jones, and this is the year he bounces back. And yeah, this could be the year. But do you, if you really wanted him to bounce back, <laughs> Tyrod Taylor, as good as he is as a backup, is not the competition Daniel Jones needs. I'm not saying, you know, that Baker Mayfield is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but maybe Baker Mayfield could be the competition Daniel Jones needs. And he looks at Baker and goes, you had all this talent and you couldn't do shit. I have all this talent and I'm going to show you what to do with it. And light a spark on the Daniel Jones' ass. What I would do. I would bring I would bring Baker Mayfield in. I would wait till Cleveland does the honorable thing and Cleveland should just do this and they should just cut the ties that bind. But they won't do it. But they won't do it. So you know, that is what that is what that is at this point. And <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens in the saga that is that is Baker Mayfield. But going back to the whole mentoring thing before I before I uh, cut out and take care of some stuff here at work, you know, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's a veteran's job when I said they should they, that they have to mentor him. I think it just comes with it. it it's something that's just there. It's it's something that's like it, it's not part of the job, but it's just it it's just there. It, it's not part of it. But it becomes part of it. And, you know, for Tannehill to come out on public TV and in a public forum and say, it's not my job to mentor him. You know, we're competing for the same position. You know, obviously Mike Rabel is going to go with experience over the rookie. So obviously Tannehill is going to be quarterback number one week one. We all know this. As 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 good as Malik Willis could play in preseason. Doesn't matter. Ryan, Mike Rabel's going to go with experience. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. And do I think Tannehill... I, I'll give Tannehill credit for this. You know, and I don't think this gets addressed enough. And I think one of my next episodes might be about mental health and sports in general. Um, you know, when he talked about going to therapy after that loss to the Bengals. Who knows what Ryan Tannehill might have done if he didn't. And I leave you with that. Because it doesn't get talked about a lot, mental health. Not only really just with regular common people, but sports athletes that are humans just like us. So that might be the that might be one of the next episodes down the line, you know, where I'll just sit here and discuss that. Who knows? Um, one of the next episodes, I got to schedule one with, with, with my buddy Brandon and get that one rolling where you get a Steel or Raven uh, podcast. So, you know, just two knowledgeable football guys shooting the shit and, you know, that's it. Um, so, you know, again, as always, you know, to everybody that retweets, follows, you know, my buddies at 1420 Sports as always. Uh, Nate's Daily Wagers, uh, you know, everybody in general is too many of you to name. So, you know, listen, when you check me out, make sure you check them out as well. Um, 
you know, I don't think there's a Yankee game tonight. I think it's a travel day. So hopefully the Yankees win this series coming up. Uh, and other than that, everybody be safe. And as always, peace.